at the Olivet Discourse and whenever they ask him that, Lord, what's it gonna look like whenever the Son of Man returns and the Lord answers that, it's the longest answer to any question uh, that was asked. Um, and so the Olivet Discourse very closely corresponds to what John sees in the book of Revelation. Now, if you saw that online deal that we did here just a few days ago, and we were looking at the throne uh, in Revelation chapter four, if you remember, there was a connection back to Ezekiel chapter one where that we saw the wheel in the middle of the wheel. That's what, that's what the prophet Ezekiel saw. He saw literally what John saw in, John, or in Revelation chapter four. So by putting all of these cross-references together, what takes place is, is you get a clarity of scripture or clarity, I guess, a, a better definition of what that prophet, both of them, I guess you would say John would be a prophet as well. And so anyways, uh, so we're gonna be kind of kind of talking about some of those here tonight. Hebrews, and Brother Patterson went through this here several weeks ago, but in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. That motivated the early church to do their work. Exhortation, encouragement, but notice what you see there. In that last phrase there, verse 25, he said, as you see the day approaching, there ought to be a greater encouragement that comes from people that you are, that you call your brothers and sisters in the church, that there ought to be something that they're inspiring us to do what the Lord has called us to do. And so what that did is cause, I think really, that we ought to ask ourselves the same question today and say what manner or what lifestyle am I living my life? Is there a conscious awareness every day that you get up Amen. that there needs to be, the Lord needs to be present in my life? Amen. And when you're driving down the road, uh, Paul said that we are to pray without ceasing, that, that there is a prayer that even whenever we're busy doing sometimes things that are just mundane, that, that our minds are harnessed up and that, that we are leaning into and we're asking the Lord, Lord, please empower my life. Help me to do what you call me to do and help this church to do what you called us to do. Amen. And I, I would even say just a few minutes ago, I, I, I pray for our area churches. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I want the spirit of God to get turned loose in churches um, it doesn't matter what kind of name they got on their door, that we want, this, we want churches to be vibrant and alive and that the Lord is doing something. And so just, just pray those things. Now, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse eight, here's what the Lord does. 
um, he says these, he says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. And then verses 33 and 34, Matthew 24, he says, so likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, look at that word there in Matthew 24 and 8. Now, for those of you that don't have the, um, the notes there, Matthew chapter 24 and 8. Also, I did not turn the air conditioners on before church started, so if y'all get warm, uh, point out somebody and, and you can uh, get them turned on. I guess I'm getting to be an older person because when I was younger... Y'all know how that is, don't you? All these elderly folks around here, they're all, they got sweaters and and uh, wraps and all that stuff they bring to church. But anyways, all you young folks, are, anyway, let me get back to what I'm supposed to be doing here. Matthew 24 and 8, you see that word there, sorrows? The word there is birth pangs. Now, if you're familiar with uh, when we was in nursing school, they talked about something called Braxton Hicks contractions. And the Braxton Hicks contractions means that prior to a mother having a child, notice I said a mother, her having a child, if you've seen the apple emojis, anybody seen that? The apple emojis are going to have a picture of a pregnant man um, it's like these people have lost their minds. But anyway, um, and so whenever I was in nursing school, they talked about these Braxton Hicks contractions. They were light contractions, but as, as it got closer to that child being born, they were more intense and more painful. And that's what the Lord is saying. He's saying, I want you to understand that what you see as it starts to unfold, that you're getting closer to the return of the Lord. And, and, and I want to just say, whenever he said, you shall see these all these things, um, we are seeing those things. There are trends and things that are taking place right now that if you are astute to them and you're awake to them, you're starting to realize this is Bible prophecy that's being unfolded. So let's let's look at this. Now, look turn to look in Revelation chapter six and verse eight. I will never forget while you're turning there, will never forget whenever I was a kid, I was either in the fourth, third, fourth, or fifth grade, because we were living in Niceville, Florida at the time, and Brother Dennis uh, would get Brother Wayne Pounders. I think he'd come through there twice while we were there. And Brother Pounders had three bed sheets that he had sewn together and he had painted out, it was Clarence Larkin's charts. I didn't know that until I got to Bible college. Uh, but Clarence Larkin's charts of unfolding the book of Revelation and he had the four horsemen and all the seals and the trumpets and the bowl judgments and, and the mark of the beast and all that. And he had an old car antenna and that was his pointer. And he walked across that platform. It probably covered, well, three bed sheets wide, and he would get up there. And I can remember as a kid, I was terrified. 
whenever he would go through what's going to come to this world. I, I doubt any of you are going to walk out of here tonight terrified. I wish you would walk out of here terrified. But I think we're beyond that. But look in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 8. Here's what the Bible says. And I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed after him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Now turn over a couple pages and look in Revelation chapter 9 and look in verse 15. Here's what the Bible says. It says, And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year, for to slay the third part of man. So in these two verses, one-fourth of the world's population is going to die, and then these others come through here. In verse 15, these four angels that are loosed, and then they slay a third part of man. So if you add those two numbers together, 25%, and then 33%, it comes up to 58%, so we'll just round up and say 60% of the earth's population is going to die. Now, let's think those numbers are staggering because right now on this earth, and I looked this up yesterday, the current population to the earth is 7.9 billion people. That's how many that's on the earth. So it's 60% of 7.9 billion people die, then what does that number look like? 4.9 billion people are going to die. Now, I realize that this is a, a sensitive subject, but COVID-19 is a drop in the bucket compared to what's coming. Because up until yesterday, COVID-19, the deaths related to that was 5,705,483. So think for a moment, 5 million people compared to 4.9 billion people. Now, I will say this, and I do believe this, and we'll get to this a little bit here in just a few minutes. I do believe that COVID-19 or some to, so it won't hit the algorithm, they're saying Charlie Vector one-niner. And I don't know if you've heard that expression before, okay? But some churches, these pastors and Bible teachers are using that so it don't hit the algorithm to get that video knocked off of, of social media, okay? But I do believe that COVID-19 is one of the birth pangs and it should be getting our attention. It should be at a part where that you're saying, hey, this is, this is moving us in a direction. So let's start looking at some of the global trends that are worth noting. And, uh, and I will say these are not all original with me. I've got my sources listed there uh, at the end, multiple sources uh, and I'll even recommend some of these to you a little bit later on uh, as we go. But here's a trend that you need to look at. Global travel, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words 
and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. So what, did, what does Daniel say? Many, many shall run to and fro. What, what does that mean? That means that there's going to be travel that's going to take place. Do you realize uh, the Sullys are coming home uh, Friday for a funeral? They had an aimer to unexpectedly pass away, and so they're coming home for the funeral. They're in Senegal right now, which is on the western border of Africa, but they will be in Dothan, Alabama sometime Friday morning. That means that they will get on a plane and they will fly from Africa to Europe and then they will fly across the sea. It'll probably be uh, 16, 18 hours that they will be in the air. Think about this. 3,000 years ago, people used sails and sailboats. 2,000 years ago, it progressed along to Paul was traveling on the Roman road system. 500 years ago, Columbus traveled by ship. 200 years ago, people could travel commercially by ship to Europe. 100 years ago, it started moving in the direction that we had steam, locomotion, you had steamboats, and then you had cars. And Brother Patterson told us a funny story today. I had not heard this. I'm guessing this would have happened sometime in the 50s. Uh, but his mother and I think some other folks there in the community, uh, they heard this loud racket and popping and carrying on. And so they ran out of their house and went down behind the house in the pasture because they were afraid. They didn't know what it was that was coming. Well, it was a mailman that was coming in a Model T Ford and it was popping and carrying on and making all this noise. And they, they didn't know what it was. And you think about that, that how rapidly things have progressed from that point. Uh, and so there's international travel in the year 2019. 4.6 billion people flew on commercial flights. Think about that. 4.6 billion people flew. And here's where times have changed. Most of our parents have rarely been on my parents. So I'm 55, so Folks that are in their 70s and 80s uh, rarely flew. My generation, they just get on planes at the drop of a hat. People that are in their 20s and 30s, they don't think nothing about just jumping on a plane and going, Daniel talked about that. That's a global trend. That ought to be getting our attention that you have the ability now to literally be a globe trotter if you want to do that and bounce around all over this globe. The second thing uh, Daniel mentions in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4 is this, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the word, seal the book, even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and then here's what he says, knowledge shall be increased. So if you decide you want to fact check me while I'm preaching, all you have to do is pull your phone out and you can punch in. Did he get those stats right on what he's telling us about global travel? You've got knowledge right there at your fingertip. In the medical field now, I understand, of course, I'm out of the hospital now, but I remember years ago, one of the doctors that I used to uh, work with uh, he had a little small black, I didn't know what it was at the time, but it was a mole skin. I discovered that as I've gotten older. It was a little mole skin handbook that he had, and he had printed up 
the book was full. It was probably 200 pages and he had written down drugs, drug calculations, prescriptions, diagnostic testing, uh, surgical procedures, and there were a number of times where that I would see him making rounds and he would take that little book out when I was working in SICU, this would have been in the late 80s, and he would open that little book up and he would use that to write his orders and track down. Now there are, there are apps that doctors use, there's apps that nurse practitioners uh, nurse anesthetists, RNs, LPNs use. They've got knowledge at their fingertips because we are, um, you know, various surgical procedures, prescription drugs to use. Knowledge is right there. I've got Logos Bible. Uh, I use Logos Bible software. I've got a set of books back in my study. It's a biblical illustrator. Teresa bought it for me in 1990. Uh, for Christmas. Uh, my mom and dad bought me a set of the pulpit commentary. It's 23 volumes. I've got that in Logos Bible software. In the old days, you go and you get the index volume and you pick through it and you go through each individual part. Now what I can do is open that up in Logos Bible software. I can hit the little search icon, put in whatever word that I'm going and in Five seconds. It's picked out thousands of, of it because it just goes through every bit of that. Knowledge expanding. And yet we don't think anything about it. You know why? It's because it's gradually come along and yet the Lord is saying those are things that ought to catch your attention. Let's talk about the weather. Now, I realize there's a lot of part that's talking about climate change and, and we're, the world's gonna burn up. Trust me, we've still got 1,007 years before the world is totally annihilated, okay? So despite what they're saying about the green, the green New Deal or the New Green Deal or whatever it is they're trying to do, okay, just trust me, we still have 1,007 years. Now, where did I get that number? You got a seven-year tribulation. You got a 1,000-year reign of the millennial reign of Christ. So we still, despite what all the talking heads are telling us, we still have 1,007 years left. Now, at the end of that, it's gonna be incredible the climate change that's coming because Peter tells us that the elements are gonna melt with a fervent heat and, and it will be destroyed at that time. But, Look, Luke 21, verses 25 and 26. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Now let's talk about that for a minute. You remember the tsunami that happened in Japan? You remember the tsunami that happened in Indonesia? You realize you can get on YouTube and you can look. It's a pretty incredible sight. I don't know if you've seen the one from Indonesia uh, and even the one from Japan. The dramatic, I mean, it is absolutely unbelievable to see that wall of water come sweeping in. And the Lord is wanting us to clue in and say, uh, these are weather patterns that you need to be looking in or looking at. 
on YouTube, there's a couple of guys. Um, they're called the Two Preachers. You can look them up. Um, not now, uh, but you can look them up when you get home. And uh, what they do is they, tr- they, they, they usually have a daily, they usually put something out there every day. It's mudslides, it's tornadoes that, that pe- people send it in to them that are being from all over the world. You can look at that, and if you are, if you're, I mean, if you don't know anything about the Bible, you're like, oh my goodness, why in the world? Boy, that's something else. But if you know Scripture, then you realize that what Paul was saying, that all creation is groaning, and these things are signs that we ought to see that they are moving us closer and closer uh, to the rapture. Uh, the wildfires, the hurricanes, uh, the typhoons that are going on. In 2021, uh, the heat wave that was here, uh, that, that I mean, it didn't just affect us, but it affected the entire world. In Paris, France, they recorded the highest temperature that they had ever recorded. Uh, it was on record, it was 108 degrees in Paris, France uh, last summer. All of these things are signs that Jesus is saying it's the beginning of sorrows and so what's happening? Greater intensity, greater visibility and we ought to be paying attention to these things that are going on. The fourth thing is global communications. Revelation chapter 11 and we'll get to this here uh, in a few weeks but Revelation chapter 11 and look uh, in verses 9 and 10. The Bible, this is a powerful chapter because it talks about the two witnesses. Um, some Bible scholars have, have um, tried to make determinations who is it. Some say that it's Moses and Elijah. Um, I guess that's who I more lean to, but these two witnesses are going to be preaching in Jerusalem. But look in verse 9. It says, and they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations. Anytime you see that word or that phrase being used in the book of Revelation, that means that the entire world is gonna be able to observe what's taking place. Shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer or allow their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that shall dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two, pre, these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. Okay, now these two witnesses are gonna preach. Look at verse three. The Lord says, I'm gonna give them power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy or preach a thousand two hundred and three score days and clothed in sackcloth. So they are going to be preaching during that time. People are gonna be hostile to that message. And so because of that, then what they're, what's gonna happen is, is they <coughs> are going, I mean, it's just, it's, it's very much that, that the part is, is that people do not like voices of truth speaking to them. And so they die. And when they die, there's great, excitement, but here's what it says. The whole world is gonna be able to see that. Now, how's that gonna happen? 
15 years ago, we were like, how in the world we think, oh, that's television. But even television is not gonna get to everybody. So how is that gonna happen? It's right here. You've got it in your hand. Most of you have smartphones and videos that are widespread. Facebook Live took down their map. Uh, I don't know why they took it down. There's some conspiracy theories as to why they did or they didn't or why they did take it down, but they had a Facebook Live and you could see where that uh, people were broadcasting. It was amazing to look at that map because literally much of the whole globe was lit up where that it was totally blanketed that there were people that were broadcasting. My brother-in-law is not here tonight, but uh, there's been a number of times that I FaceTime him, uh, usually from the back, and FaceTime him to Romania, and I'm sitting back there. He's sitting in his living room, and we're, I think, 8,000 miles away, and I'm talking to him, and it's in real time. There's no lag. There's no cutting out. It's just as clear as a bell, and I'm talking to him. I can see him. He can see me. And it's very, that's how that this is going to take place. Notice in verse 10, they shall send gifts one to another. How in the world are they going to do that? Anybody heard of Amazon? FedEx? I send preachers books all the time through thrift books. And I don't go to the store and buy the books. I get online, I find the book in thrift books, and I send it directly to their address and never really have to do anything. And here in Revelation chapter 11, it talks about that. These are signs that we need to be paying attention to. Let's look at number five, global evangelism. Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Mark 13, 10, the gospel must first be published among the nations. So notice what Matthew says. He said it's going to be preached. Mark says it's going to be published. There's a website that you can go to called the Joshua Project. Now, take this in the context that I'm saying. It falls under the big tent of Christianity. That means everybody. But the Joshua Project has identified right now that there are 2,138 unreached people groups which totals 165 million people that still have yet to hear the gospel. Now, you remember the numbers that we talked about a while ago? 7.9 billion people that are in this world and yet only 165 million people are still yet to be reached. Now, when we say reached, what we mean by that is that through a Bible translator or through... Uh, Transworld Radio or various, the, for YouTube, uh, various places like that, that the God, the, who Jesus Christ is, whatever voice is getting there, it has gotten to places around this globe. And if Matthew or Jesus said that, then that ought to be another part that heightens our responsibility to be awake and to say that the Lord is about to return. Now, um, and again, I, I, I have to say, I, uh, 
um, have not contributed a lot. And when I start thinking about it, I start thinking I ought to get some money invested in this, but for Bible translators, Wycliffe Bible translators, what are they doing? They're right. They're they're translating the scriptures, and they're getting those into those languages and dialects of various people. Now, I will say this: Bible translations are very important. It's very important, and you need to be able to discern what is a translation versus what is a paraphrase. A prayer, paraphrase is just for devotional stuff. What's a paraphrase? The Living Bible is a paraphrase. The message by Eugene Peterson, despite its devotional uh, nuggets that you can get out of it, is a paraphrase. Uh, the Passion Bible, which has hit the Pentecostal world by storm, is a paraphrase. That means that it is not it is not being directly translated as a word for word or a thought for thought translation. So be careful whenever you're reading the Word of God that you have a good foundation in understanding what the Word of God has to say. So Bible translators again. We pray that they're able to do their work because I'm going to tell you what, one of the most invincible weapons that we have, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, is the word of God. It is powerful, it is alive, it is a two-double-edged sword, and we ought to pray that the word of God blankets this globe so that people can read the word of God. Now, where does that put us at? You ought to value the Bible over any other book that you have. The Word of God ought to be something that you spend time with, I'm going to say daily. Yes. That, that you need to be, through, Scripture needs to saturate your life. However you get it. Listening to somebody read it to you through all these Bible apps, you reading it yourself, you reading it while somebody else, Alexander Scorby, Max McLean, those guys reading scripture and you're reading along with them, it's, it's a different way to read the Bible. Things can leap out to you whenever you are listening to somebody read the word of God. I will also say this. If you get yourself, if you can get along somewhere, is to read the Bible out loud. Now, somebody may come in and look like, what in the world? He's lost his mind. And you're reading your Bible out loud in your room or whatever. But I, I do that uh, pretty regularly. Now, it's a little awkward. You want to make people walk in on you and you're like, oh, what's, what's yeah, let me move on. Okay, number six. Let's talk, about, let's talk about global pandemics. Is that in the Bible? It is. Matthew 24 and 7. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Same thing, Luke 21 and 11, pestilences. Now, how do we know that it is the tribulation with these pestilences? You won't be able to stop them. Now, we are able to stop. We have managed to get to the place where we stop them. And whether you think people ought to be vaccinated or whether... You don't care whether they're vaccinated or whether you think whatever it is. I'm just saying that right now that it looks like that the medical community is putting the brakes on COVID-19. But when the tribulation breaks out, 
There will not be a medicine, there will not be a vaccine that will be able to stop what's coming. Now remember again, Revelation 6, Revelation 9, 58% of the global population will die. Think, Think about that. Does anybody know what the population here in the U.S. is? Latest census, 350 million. That means that the entire nation of the, of the United States of America totally wiped out. And all these things are scripture being pointed and moving us in the direction. And I believe that one of the things that the Lord is doing is he's telling me, I don't know what he's telling you, but he's telling me, you better get busy, Philip. Better get busy. You can't waste time. Every message you preach, every Bible lesson you teach, every prayer, every bit of the time that you spend talking to people, you cannot waste your time because you don't have much time left. I want to, I want to try to tonight tighten, get, get your arm behind your back and twist it and tell you you don't have much time. That means, I wish this was Sunday morning, Sunday night, and everybody was here. That means everybody in this local church, they need to be doing something productive and something spiritual. Everybody. Oh, you know, that's just for for Brother Patterson, that's just Brother Harrelson, that's just for the... That's just for the ones that are, you know, that's the, that's the spiritual folks that carries the church. That's, no, 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 no. Everybody. Because if you remember whenever I was talking about the throne and you, you, you saw in, in Ezekiel and in Daniel that river of fire that was coming out of the throne, what is that? The Bema seat. That's where our works are going to be tested. And it's going to be a terrifying moment because the Lord is going to take my works. I didn't think about this whenever I was younger. But not only is he going to test my works, but he's going to test the reason that I did what what I'm doing. And if my motives were not right, it burns up. And so what does that mean? Selflessly give myself to the task. Do what I'm supposed to do, whatever God's called me to do, whatever God has gifted me to do, I need to be doing my job with diligence. Um, So how do you know if it's a tribulation? Well, there won't be a medicine that's gonna be able to stop it. At this moment, most of the plagues can be stopped. Give consideration to the fact that COVID-19 spread through our world in about a two-month window, okay? That was about how long that it took. Once it started moving out of China and it started spreading around within a two-month, 60-day window, it had almost totally blanketed the globe. And so those things are in front of us in the future. Number seven, global tracking and digital currency. Revelation 13 And Revelation 13 is a chapter that talks about the Antichrist. But look in verse 16 and 17 of Revelation chapter 13. Here's what it says. 
And he causeth, who? The Antichrist. He causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six, or six six six. Ultimately, all of the global tracking systems that are moving us in the direction, what what I think probably some people unwittingly are not aware of, that the spirit of the Antichrist is prepping them up and it's taking place. If you have flown recently, you know when you start walking through TSA, you look around, there's cameras everywhere. And those cameras have facial recognition now. And so (laughs) my double chin and sometimes bordering on my triple chin that I terribly need to get rid of is that whenever I walk through those airports and those cameras are there, they're identifying me because by the shape of my face and they do a basic like a triangle part and they snap that picture of your face and then it starts tracking you. Well, how did that track? Well, all of the people who, not I hadn't done this, taking these selfies, okay, all the selfies. And everybody's got these. Well, they fit into a data system and those selfies start and people unwittingly have put those parts in so that there's a global tracking system that is working here. And, and, and John says, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, received the mark in the right hand or in their foreheads. The Antichrist will make sure that all people have that number. And he said, oh, that's so far-fetched. Well, have you heard of the Great Reset? Has anybody heard of that? You heard of the Great Reset? Have you? Okay, the Great Reset is a guy named Klaus Schwab, and he is the guy that's in charge of the World Economic Forum. They just met two weeks ago in Davos, Switzerland, and it was all of the elites in the world, and they got kind of a little bit of a kickback. If you notice some of the part that the news was covering them, although they didn't cover all of it, But the part is, is this great reset. What are they moving us toward? They're moving us toward, Klaus Schwab wrote a book called The Fourth Industrial Revolution. And what are they moving us toward? A one world government financial banking system and to be able to track and to keep up with people. Apple and Google can do contact tracing through smartphone technology and there was a pushback during early on during COVID that they said that if you were positive, then what you would do is you would walk up and when you got within six feet of somebody that had tested positive, your phone would start vibrating or it would start beeping to give you a warning that, hey, you've been exposed to COVID-19. Again, all of that is just leading us up to, and you say, oh, oh, you, you, you've been reading too many books too many books, your, your, your conspiracy theories, and your, di- no, I'm reading the word of God. And all of it is moving us in a direction. 
Now let's look at number eight, nuclear weapons. Matthew chapter 24, verse 22, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. That means that the whole part would be annihilated. I've got a part diagram or a map for you there. 2021 estimated global nuclear warhead inventories. U.S. had the most, well, Russia had the most. They had 6,257. The United States had 5,550. And look over there at North Korea, 40 to 50. Uh, Pakistan's got 165. India uh, has 156. And who is in a race right now to get it is Iran. And the reason Iran wants one is because they want to annihilate and to get rid of Israel. As we get through this part that unfolds, uh, you will start to realize that Iran is going to be probably the worst enemy that Israel is going to have. And so let's look at number nine, global peace, prosperity, and materialism. First Thessalonians 5 and 3, for, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Now notice this part here, when they shall say peace and safety, which tells me that the Antichrist is going to be able to usher in a time where it looks like there is this utopia that has finally come to the earth. And yet Paul writes to church at Thessalonica, he says when they say that, peace and safety, sudden destruction is going to come. And so the Antichrist, in that very brief time of global peace and prosperity, is going to move us toward a place that people unwittingly are going to buy into the idea that everything's okay. And yet it's going to be a, a ruse. Now, the last part. Let's look at Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 3. I don't know if you are aware of this, but the book of Zechariah, uh, the book of Zephaniah, uh, there are Ezekiel, there are a lot of prophecies that are woven through that. In fact, this past Sunday, Brother Patterson preaching out of Isaiah, whenever he was in Isaiah 60, there are parts where that Isaiah 60, Isaiah 61 that some of that has to deal with the millennial reign of Christ that's going to come out because there, there's parts of the book of Isaiah that is for future time. And, and again, here's the part. Bible prophecy has primarily fallen on hard times. When I was a kid, uh, Brother Patterson, when this was in the 80s, there were Bible prophecy conferences all over the place. And a lot of our pastors would go and drive and hear men like Brother Treese and um, Brother Benjamin Urshan, various others, Brother Wayne Pounders that were Bible teachers during the 80s. And then it kind of dropped off of the map. And because it dropped off of the map, now there's a lot of younger ministers that they hardly know anything at all about Bible prophecy, but the Lord is about to return. Now, Look at Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 3. The Bible says there, And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. 
though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Now, if you look at the map and you realize how small that Israel is, it is a tiny, tiny place. And yet the entire world is going to move in and try to engulf it and to destroy it. I got some homework for you. Um, Ezekiel 38, 39 talks about some places, Gog, Magog, uh, various other places. You ought to go home and find out, take an old Bible map, look at that Bible map, and then modernize the Bible map and see where everything fits into place. Because here's what you're going to find out. Last week, Russia and Iran moving together. Did anybody happen to know about that? There's a lot of stuff that's going on right now that's not being reported. There's a lot that's moving on, and everybody's like, hey, watch all this over here so all this can be taking place right up under your nose, and we're missing that. And so it was not very well covered, very much. Uh, But Russia, Vladimir Putin, and uh, the Iranian president, uh, Razi, sat down and worked together. They allowed the Iranian president to address the, uh, uh, would be like our House of Representatives. He did that uh, tomorrow was a week ago. Last Thursday, he addressed them. And so when you start reading Ezekiel 38, 39, you start seeing that somebody's going to come out of the north. Who is that? Russia moving out of the north. Iran is going to trigger some of that. So all of these alliances are beginning to take place. And yet most of it's like people are asleep to what's taking place. Now I'm going to leave you some with a few recommendations. Uh, Caroline Glick, uh, she is an Israeli columnist for the Jerusalem Post. Uh, She has a podcast. It's called the Caroline Glick Show. It's a good resource. It's It's not theology, but it's current events. If you listen to what she's talking about and you listen to some of the things, some of the guests that she has on there, you can start seeing the pieces kind of fitting together. Now, Jesus talked about the fact that no man knows the day or the hour. But don't forget that Jesus did tell us that we could know the seasons. And right now, things are moving in the direction for the return of the Lord. And your relationship with God, it has never been as serious as what it is right now. And I have thought this even here in the last two or three days, that all the people out of this church uh, that have, have fought their battles and that we have preached their funerals, what I'm afraid that the day is coming is that they're the ones that's going to be blessed because there's going to be some tense times that's coming through. And we have to make sure, again, you've heard me say this so much, of what Peter said, make your calling and your election sure. 
And there's got to be that part where that we begin to move into the direction. Um, my children sending me text messages, and one of my children sending me text messages. And uh, I was talking about selfies, that I didn't do selfies, but I did do a selfie for their benefit one night. And so, anyway. So one of them just sent it to me to remind me of, so Lord forgive me for telling y'all that I, but I didn't put it on social media, okay? I took a picture and then I sent it out to them. But make your call in your election sure. Your relationship with the Lord, it is the most important thing. Now I just want to just, just say this to you Sunday school teachers, youth workers, Bible quiz folks, music folks, whatever you are doing in this church, you, you ought to do it with a sense of excellence and faithfulness and desire that every time we walk in the house of the Lord, it's an opportunity for us to exhort one another. Let's stand, and I, I pray that you've gotten some Encouragement. I also pray that there's been some sobering things that you have uh, that you've come across here tonight. Um, again, serious sober days that we're living in. Let's talk to the Lord. Lord, I'm thankful for your goodness, Lord, in our lives. I'm thankful, Lord, for the Spirit, God, that you have, Lord, filled us with. And I know, Lord, that sometimes when we talk about these things and or we look in your word, there's a certain amount of fear, Lord, that can get into our hearts and our spirits. But I pray, God, tonight that you would help all of us, Lord, to cast aside that fear and to realize, Lord, that these things have been foretold and prophesied. They are, Lord, going to take place. But I ask you tonight that you somehow would empower us and help us in our walk with you, Lord, to do your will. God, to live up to the principles of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The Lord bless you, and uh, thank you for coming to church tonight.